With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome, lovely listeners to the Anfield Index podcast. It's episode 285 and I'm Trev Downey podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful, rural, nocturnal Ireland. And I'm joined as ever by Carl Kopak, by Cam Branch and producer Guy Drinkles in the background. I have nothing to offer this week except to say that um, I've added to my repertoire of uh, things what a man should be able to do. Uh, Carl Kopak, I now know how to fence. I have done fencing. I've done the fencing, and it's a good job. I'm really pleased with it um, because I put up a hedge, and now I have a fence to back it up and protect it. So I feel all sort of um, windswept and masculine this week. So I don't. I feel like I don't need to justify myself with any sort of comedy cont- contributions. And that's me done for an introduction. So Carl Kopak, take the floor, sir. I still derive immense pleasure from remembering how many hod-carrying brickies were encouraged to put on lurex tights and mince up and down the high street, having been assured by assured by know-it-alls like me that a smidgen of blusher really attracted the birds. Ah, uh, and it's his birthday tomorrow. What, what are we talking about? Are we talking about like what era are we talking about here? Because that could be six. Yeah, okay. I was going to say it could be sixties into seventies. We're talking about glam rock era, are we? Is he a glam rock person? He, he's a bit of everything. Not the biggest clue. And it's, his, it's his birthday today and he lives. Tomorrow. No, he does not live. He does not live. Is it Bowie? No, it's, it's Bowie, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was going to say Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> Got their head yet? Yeah. I win the quiz again. Uh, oh, yeah, non-quiz week. <laughs> wins again. <laughs> Happy New Year, gents. Bloody hell. Not enough already. Changes. Plus ça change, plus ça remain the same, as, as they say in uh, French Ireland. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's also the same that um, when, when, see, when Bowie did the Spiders and Mars, um, we had previously had Mick Ronson on guitar, who was like a really, really butch lad from Hull. And he said, "Okay, I wanted to work on his album for me." And the first thing he said, "Right, okay, do you think you could wear leopard skin tights on stage?" <laughs> and I lied, please. Uh... <laughs> I've never looked into something that's just occurred to me. Do you think Mark Ronson is related to Mick Ronson? He wouldn't be his son, would he? That'd be that'd be a, an interesting twist. Are they are they of different races? No, perhaps. Okay. I might think of someone else. I can't even picture. Uh, no, I thought so. No, no, no. I've seen, I've seen pictures of both of them. I believe they're both um, of the Caucasian <laughs> persuasion. I think. Um, so, why did you p- choose that particular Bowie quote, Carl? It's his birthday tomorrow. Because it's his birthday, and you like the idea of the hod carriers and spandex. Yeah, I have to say it's uh, it's quite the image. Um, I, I, I absolutely love David Bowie. Absolutely. I'm going to say I'm going to ask you I'm going to ask you a question. Um, who is the most famous hod carrier? Who comes to mind when you use the phrase hod carrier? 
Tom Baker. Oh, shit. Okay, you're in a totally different plane of existence to me because for me, it's Vinnie Jones. Because there was never an interview yeah, true, Jones yeah. or an article about Vinnie Jones that didn't mention that he was a hod carrier at one point. Uh, I seem to recall. Tom that's Baker true, was true. a hod carrier. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a, I'll put it on Instagram. There's a photo of him the week he got the Doctor Who job. And he's standing around on the building site with his mates on with, with a little silly hat on. Like yours. Huh. Huh. No, he's wearing like a little sort of um, little woolly hat. The fag out of his mouth held on a spade. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Did you see that that guy uh, during the week on Twitter who was doing an impression of all the doctors in about half a minute? You see that? Oh, no, I haven't seen that. I like things like that. No, I think you really like it. Uh, have check John Rain's timeline. John t- retweeted it. Was, it, was, it was a bit of fun. It would mean a lot more to you, I would imagine, than it did yeah. to me. I could recognize a few of them. Um, Cam Branch, we've heard uh, little bits of your dulcet tones in the background. What have you got to open with today, man? Uh, hot carriers after the same pet boys. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, that's true too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, that kind of missed, uh, that kind of passed me by when that was on and, and popular. We didn't have. Yeah, I didn't really watch it. The, uh, we didn't I have the channel. Yeah, we yeah. didn't have the channel, so I didn't. Uh, I didn't get it. We we were basically two channel land for a little while when that was on. Um. Anyway, what have you got for us? All right. Um. Contemplating which quote to go with first. Which one's finished with? All right, I'll go with this one first. The greatest danger in life is not taking chances. There are so many negative people wanting to grind you down, but you can't let them. If people say you are mad, you know you're on the right track. Huh. Would you mind giving us that again? Because I like it. Sure. The greatest danger in life is not taking chances. There are so many negative people wanting to grind you down, but you can't let them. If people say you are mad, you know you're on the right track. Right. So I'm guessing this is some sort of innovator, inventor type. Is that correct? Far from it. Oh, I thought that was usually the thing that was level at innovators and inventors, that they were mad and they press on regardless. This is a hero of the show. A hero of the show, like uh, okay, so there, there's, there can only be a few, a few people who it could possibly be. Uh, is it Brian? It is Brian. Uh, and so, is do we now have a new champion? <laughs> that would be one all. I mean, I'll give him that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, which can of course means that Trev wins on away goals somehow. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, soon as we're in England and Trez in Ireland, I guess he is away, isn't he? Yeah, it's an away, it's an away fixture every week for me. Um, so, and you're that's... the host, which makes you. <laughs> oh, I, I see what you're trying to do here. You don't don't come semantics with me, pal. This is an Irish <laughs> podcast, isn't it? Really? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, theoretically, Guy Drinkle is the host of the podcast as he is recording it. So all I am is a nominal host only, uh, and I am abroad. So compared to you two, so I'm afraid, yeah, I'm the. It's an away fixture for me. Sometimes it really feels like an away fixture, you know, the intimidating atmosphere, the cruelty of the opponents. You know, I feel that quite often. Anyway, Cam, why did you choose Brian Blessed's? about madness and innovation and all that? Um, 
I just thought it'd been a while since we'd heard from the great man. And that was actually the first quote that came up, and I just thought, solid, I like it. No better reason. So we've got a multitude of things that we could talk about. Um, we decided in advance a bit of an executive decision, but it was also very much agreed with by you boys, I think, that we would avoid all the things that people are actually thinking about at the moment, because if you are to listen to this podcast, I'm sure you would like a bit of distraction from those things that shall not be named. We're not even going to refer to them, um, because it's all-encompassing, and it's uh, all-consuming, and it's very hard to get away from it. So this is exactly what this podcast is going to be, a chance to get away from it. We will be talking about the Reds, of course, and that in and of itself may not be the cheeriest thing at the moment. Um, but we'll also talk about other things as well, uh, non footy related, if that's where the conversation takes us, because that's just how we roll around here. But let's start with some Liverpool-centric chat. Um, and it is, I suppose, uh, very much... Uh, well, it's hardly, it's hardly the, the, the cheeriest of topics at the moment. Um, I know it's something that has um, animated you know, young cop back recently um, in terms of, of, of thoughts. I'm sure, Cam, you, you're not articulating them in, 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 a, in an article uh, or a column, uh, but I'm sure you're the same. And I know certainly what I found myself on the show last night, I'm all being on the spot, I was... Found myself, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I nearly did more chatting than Jan last night because I was just a lot of stuff to get off our chests at the moment. So let's start on the topic of where we're at now. Um, and I'm going to go straight to a, a concept that's very common uh, to anyone who follows uh, Carl on Twitter or on here. And it's the concept of perhaps don't just completely give up the ghost after one or two bad moments or results or even three in a row as it is now, um, do not, as young Kopak would say, be a runner. Um, talk to us a little bit about how you feel about all of that stuff that's going on at the moment, Carl, because it is quite apparent that an awful lot of people have psychologically bottled it already. And that's this team. This is this group of guys who've done nothing but prove to the fans that they warrant trust and support and absolute faith. It's, it's, it's weird to behold. I understand infuriation and, and I understand frustration but um, this idea of toys going flying out of the pram at this point while we're top of the league still it doesn't rest easy with me I have to say. I think what it is more than anything else is people assessing last season as some things that would continue forever and I've got a piece out of this week where I basically said People will look back in history and say, 1986, Liverpool won the league in FA Cup double, the only time we've ever done it in our history. And at the time, we were like the fourth team to ever do whatever. And people will think, Liverpool were the best team in 1985-86. We weren't. We really weren't. We dug in and we got it done. Mm. And if you look at last season, I've been, been thought, I hate saying this because it makes me sound like I'm in a phone in. But I've been supporting Liverpool for a very, very, very long time and I've never seen a Liverpool performance like that so consistent over that time. There has to be an element of... Do you want me to do my Jim White voice here? Please. Will it make you feel more comfortable if you feel like you're trying to talk sport? <laughs> well, do you know what, if you do, I'll do my Bob Mills impression at the same time. <laughs> yeah, we, we best move on. Where every sentence starts with... Before he actually says a word. Yeah. Um, and what what it brings that comes down to for me is there's no other word, Trev. 
people are spoiled. Yeah. People are spoiled. And I've, read, I've, I've had, literally had a tweet in the last five minutes, which is something I've, I've written. So, yeah, but, you know, people have got to start realising we're not going to win this league. We're top of the league. And you're asking us to follow up a season that they've just delivered in the middle of a pandemic where there's a game every 10 minutes. We've got no centre-backs, there's no, no one in the ground. I mean, talk about being hampered. And when I say things like that, the responses I got, I wrote something similar recently, and I got lots of, yeah, but you're just one of those fans who always makes up, like, you know, you can't criticise the club ever. I do nothing else but criticise the club until we start winning things. And you've got to get to a stage in your head where you start thinking, these are unusual times. And we've dropped, we've, we've got three points out of nine. And that's, of course, that's absolutely bloody terrible. I'm not saying this is a good thing. I am not defending the performances, the tactics, the substitutions, or anything like that. I'm just saying this is how football is at the moment. And there's never going to be a time. I remember going back to the early 2000s when on Football Focus, Ray Stubbs on Football Focus did a special on the danger of Man United winning everything because it's going to be like this for the next 30 years. It's not. Football moves. And we're having a tough time at the moment. And the thing I wrote today um, says, look, Jerry Miles has died this week and, you know, you made your never walk, walk alone famous. Now's the time you dig in. Don't walk away from it. Don't run. Stand up and be counted for this. We, we, we know they still we go again. Not to such a noise, we obviously, but we start again. And that's what Jurgen Klopp will be telling place. You know what, lads, we're all knackered. We're not playing well. Trent had the, one of the worst games I've ever seen him have. Milner coming on to replace him was an equally bad decision. And... Little things like we were getting booked every five seconds. Every time there was a foul, we got a booking. Um, and our, our heads went after the Ings goal in, what, 50-odd seconds or something like that. And that reminds me a lot of Julio days, uh, you know, when if, if a team comes around from the scores a goal, the best you can hope for is a draw. Because there's no way we've got the heart or the legs to come back and win that game. And we were doing that last season, and we're not this year because of the size of the squad and because of the condition the players are in. And our captain's got to... We, we, we had two of our best central defenders, central midfielders playing in centre-back this week. And these are unusual times. Just dig in, stop moaning, and don't run. You know, Cam, I'm going to spin the ball over in your direction um, from there because I want to hear what you have to say on this topic as well. And it's not like, you know... uh, People will appreciate that Carl, neither Carl nor myself or yourself are preaching at anyone. You're absolutely entitled to be uh, infuriated and sensed, express your annoyance in the moment. But there is a bigger picture. Um, the thing that we don't want to talk about this evening is a massive, massive influence on everybody's life. Um, some, some physically, and we don't know the extent of that in the squad, and some psychologically, and we don't know the extent of that in the squad. And even as I watched our manager who proved again over Christmas with several video messages and things what just what a fucking wonderful man he is how lucky we are to have him I just thought you know who knows what even that guy's head is at the moment where where he's at you know separated and from from all friends back home and not being able to go and see people um it's it's affecting everybody in different ways um so yeah your eyes are going to get taken off the ball but the thing that Carl referred to there is you know in the past, when these type of things happened, we would have just lost those games back to back. Um, and we would have sort of not looked like we were going to score. Whereas at least, you know, in the second half of the last two games, there was 
almost all the elements were correct, apart from the final ball, which Jurgen was lamenting. Um, it's not like we've forgotten how to play football. This will click again. And we've seen very encouraging sights like Thiago. We know that we've got Diogo Jota not miles away from coming back. Um, we do miss him at the moment. Uh, and several other bits and pieces like that. And, of course, the big screaming uh, issue is the fact that, as Carl says, we had our two two of our, our best three central midfielders were playing centre-half last night. And I've heard people say, well, that's a simple switch to make. Screw you. That is one of the most difficult adjustments to make. Um, and you have to call the line and you have to uh, work with the whole new team and you have to think about the game in a completely different way. Long way around, what I'm saying is it's not that bad. We're still sitting top and we'll have a chance to stay top if we beat the Manx next. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. Um, obviously, before the Manx, we, we got a big game against Villa in the FA Cup. I said at the start of the season, I want us to win the FA Cup. Um, and I think I don't want to see a bad performance this weekend because I think you don't want to be going into the United game on the back of another bad performance that before four in a row. So I want to see a strong team put out this do weekend. You, do you? Yeah, Controversial. I do. Oh, okay. no, well, I think because of the previous three results, we need to get our mojo back. I mean, we've gone from arguably the best performance of 2020 in the seven mil away to three shockers. And we haven't had the rub of the green. Um, um, I think um, Sam Maguire wrote a good article in one of the emails that dropped to me in boxes last week or the week before about how you, you want the referees to be fair for both sides. You just want, you know, that, that honesty from the referees. And yes, because of the bad results, we, we over analyze and we, we start picking holes and we start looking at faults that, oh, that could have gone for us. That could have gone for us. You know, we could have had two or three penalties, you know, Fouls not given. Uh, Thiago getting a yellow card in the second minute, you know, after the Ings goal, that would have affected his game. Yet, Walcott nearly broke Milner's legs, and it wasn't even given as a free kick. And you know, you, you can you can cherry pick certain little things, and you know, you could like I say you can overanalyze. We've got to get back to winning ways, and that starts at the next game. You're only as good as your last result. Um, that's really, that's really interesting. I'm going to interrupt you there because I want to let you get back on your round for sure. a second. Two things occurred to me. Uh, I meant to say it when Carl was talking. Jan was saying last night about the 85-86 season that Carl mentioned. Obviously, he played a massive part in that. And he was saying at the start of that, just to echo what Carl was saying, that we were actually appalling. Um, I think we were in 13th place at one point. He didn't say that. That's my memory. Um, kind of around the turn of the year or November time if I recall correctly. Um, and interestingly, he said Kenny Dalglish was playing so badly that Joe Fagan had to say, listen, you need to step out of that team. Obviously, he came back and did the business at the business end of the season. It was, was, was fantastic. That's a different story. But I guess there's a, a, a tendency to sentimentalize and to do the rose-tinted glasses and all teams, good, bad, indifferent, and that wasn't one of the best Liverpool teams by a long chalk, um, despite their fantastic achievement of winning the double. Um, they all face different types of adversity, and we're in the middle of ours now. Um, and the second thing I want to talk about, specifically related to what you're talking about here, I'm very interested in this, you know, putting a strong side out against Villa, and it's a good point you make. Um, 
But again, on the show last night, I held my hands up and said that, you know, I don't go in for um, moaning and whinging uh, on a big scale at all. But it really is hard not to see, if not an agenda or a conspiracy or anything like that, it's hard not to see that there's a ridiculous accumulation of shit decisions going against our club. You know, it really is hard to just put that in in a side pocket and and be the one who goes, well, that's how football goes. You get those. Yeah, but we get all of them. And you see, it's playing into the hands of, of that twonk Solskjaer who's been asked about Jurgen chatting about penalties. There was about 14,000 articles that spun what Jurgen said about the penalties United got and made it seem as if he was crying. One incredibly embarrassing thing on ESPN, which showed that Liverpool had scored more penalties since the inception of the Premier League. Nothing to do with what Jurgen was saying. I guess the point I'm making, Cam, and I want you to talk about this in relation to the FA Cup chat that you're talking about, is there does seem to be, whether we like it or not, an extra attempt to sort of not necessarily go with us in the way that United had the opposite. When United were flying and winning everything year on year, uh, they got a third half if they needed it. They got a penalty if it was opposite. Um, the 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 Ferguson effect on referees was in, was 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 fully evident. It seems, if anything, to be the opposite. Anytime Jurgen opens his mouth now, it's almost as if you know it's doing him down. You know, and you see how much Sadio gets kicked, how much Mo gets kicked. There's a lot for us to be genuinely narked about, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, and that's why I was saying we can overanalyze and because of the results. And we we see these, these bad decisions. Uh, they're highlighted in our minds more because we're, we're now relying almost because of the final ball not being quite right on those bad decisions going in our favour to try and help us, you know, turn a draw into a win or a loss into a draw. And it, it, it's, it's difficult and it's, and it's challenging. And we, we had a mantra the last couple of seasons of mentality monsters. And we need to get that back. We need to show, right. Okay. You lot are against us. We know that. We're going to give you the biggest fuck you, and we're going to show you what we're about. Now, I don't think it's for the one to try from from the players and the coaching staff and everybody else, but we suddenly lost it. For whatever the reason is, I don't know, but we've lost it. Bobby looks a shadow of the player He, we know he is. Why I had a rant on Discord the other day about how Minamino was so good against Palace, and he hasn't had a minute of game time in the last three games from being super confident because suddenly not seeing a minute of football with those three performances, when he offers something different, he was superb against Palace, and not to get a minute, I, just, I, I don't understand what it is. How Ox came in ahead of him against Southampton, I, I, I just don't get it. Mm. And and if I was Minamino, if I was an, a player of, say, not as much honour as, say, Minamino is, I'd have my agent banging on Jürgen's door. Forget me banging on Jürgen's door. I, my agent would be. You know, and, it, and I, I, don't, I don't get that. So that is on Klopp. 
and the coaching staff not picking a player who's just been playing well. So, Carl, your your opinion on that? It's, a, it's an interesting chat, isn't it? I, th- I think a lot of that's to do with, with t- time and training and and, and whatever, because you just don't know. Do you? We don't get to see what they're like in training and whether he's in uh, whether it's a fitness thing or anything like that. I agree with well, you. He must be. He must be a shit trainer then. Well, well, I think what what he's probably doing there. I mean, obviously we're all second guessing here. Is he's probably just thinking, well, at, at least he's fitter than most people, but I've got to get Chamberlain up to the same level, and the only way he's going to do that if I start him now, and it's against his old club, and you know, Jurgen likes things like that. Um, just get him on the pitch. Well, it, it, it is a baffling thing, completely, but um, I, I think he's just. I just think he's, it's it's it is crisis management. Despite the fact I say we're not in a crisis, it's just because the times are so unusual. You see, got to be, which be around, but uh, which which basically got Minamino playing in the FA Cup. Yeah. Um, Luvo put something up in Discord the other day. Uh, we know it's an unusual season this year. Now we scored ninety eight and ninety nine points. We're, we're not going to get anywhere close to that. No team does in the Premier League. Has three has three consecutive seasons of phenomenal points. It's, it's never been done. Lou Lubo, you know, like I said, put something up in Discord, you know, and uh, showed how even the you know the brilliant Chelsea teams, the brilliant Arsenal teams, the brilliant United teams, they never did it for three seasons. Even City have never done it for three seasons. There's always a drop off in the third season. This season, we know that there was obviously. Um, certain, you know, reasons for that, and you know, we all know what that is. So we're not going to get into the 90s. I think we're, it's going to be high 70s, early 80s, will win the league. So if if that's the case, if you look at historically when teams have won with high 70s, low 80s, there's a lot of draws in there. So these draws right now, yeah, as damaging as they feel, Leicester won the league with 81 points, and I think they had 12 or 13 draws. That season, it's going to be a similar season to that. It's going to be a similar season. So, the draws, as painful as they feel right now, they're not as damaging as they could be because of the losses the other teams have had as well. We've only yes, we've lost two games now. I think United and City have lost three games, but we're somehow by hook or by crook, regardless of the fact we've played one game more, we're still on top of the table. Well, there's also there's draws and there's draws. I mean, you look at the West Brom result was a, was a was a bad a bad draw. Fulham was a great draw because we were terrible and we got a penalty, yeah. absolutely awful. And I wouldn't give given that penalty because I, I keep saying all the time whatever today's handball rule is, you know, um, when that happened, Carrick well, got changed it mid-season. That's well, why. No, yeah, well, when, 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 when it happened, Carrigan said, in this tone, he penalty. As in, it's not a penalty, but it is. He's got to give that because that's what they've been told to do. And we absolutely got away with that one. Absolutely got away with it. Fulham should have beaten us. We were so bad that day. And I thought the Southampton game was the game that caught up with us. Villa was a complete aberration, obviously. But So what um, you're saying is it's been coming, is what you're saying. Yeah, we're not, yeah. you know, we're, they're, they're knackered. They're playing every day. They haven't had a pre-season. They're playing every 10 minutes. I don't think, I don't really expect what people think it's going to do. I said on Twitter the other day, people moaning about us being top of the league. We haven't got any centre backs. We should be in the top four. 
this is incredible what we've got here. And people say, oh, you know, you're just expecting low standards. I'm not at all. I've seen low standards. I've, yeah, I've been late 18, 1981. Now, I've been there for that sort of thing. If this is your issue... You see an awful lot of people leaning into the fact that we had a, a stronger bench than usual, and they're completely skipping over the fact that Shaq has just been injured most of his time at the club and was coming back from his latest one. That Oxlade-Chamberlain's been injured for most of his time at the club and is coming back from his latest one. I mean, yeah, it's great to see those guys there, and I, I kind of understand why Klopp... Thiago was cut in too. Yeah, and and you know I think everyone expected Thiago to take to the field and just absolutely boss it like he did when be he the Chelsea on. one, be the Chelsea Thiago. That yeah, or, he, or even the way he did when he came on against uh, Newcastle, right? Wasn't it Newcastle when he came on yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. in the second yeah. half and, and had minutes, like yeah. twenty minutes of absolutely running the show like a boss? Everyone expected that to happen, and all he did for the first half was like basically run around barreling into fellas and almost look as if he was going to get sent off. So. Um, it took him, I think, I made a note last uh, when I was watching the match for Raw, 33 minutes was when he made his first sort of really insightful pass that led to something. Um, and then the second half, he started to play his game a lot more. Um, we are, we it's are. It's a kind of hard fight now, Trev. That's the thing. But it, but it's, it's incessant change. We've taken our two most influential midfielders in Henderson and Fabinho out of midfield. We've taken all our most influential defenders out of defence. I do have one question for you. I don't want to go on about it because I asked Jan about it last night. Um, it's funny, he actually agreed with with a couple of things, that, that some of the matter ideas that went through in my head. Um, I, I don't want to spend ages on it, but I do want to hop it off both of you. I mean, my takeaway at the end of the game was... Um, Obviously, Jurgen just wanted uh, the captain to be on the park, and I fully get that. I really do. Like as we said, you know, as Jan said last night, Jimmy Milner was was that guy for 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 Klappo for ages. If you could get him onto the pitch in any position, he was on the pitch. He, he just wa- yeah, he just wanted him there. And I'm assuming that and that's an awful lot of what's going on. But here's the question I have: Is it not quite the damning indictment of Nat Phillips and um, and um, uh, oh my God, what him, Reese Williams, uh, that? As specialist centre halves, they can't get into the team when all their centre halves are injured. And in fact, the manager would rather take um, one of our most influential players in midfield and pull him back in there. And what does that say about those guys and their prospects long term? Because someone tried to say afterwards that it was about pace. Carl actually on on Pulse Watch was talking about about it being about pace. But as the, as the show went on, I was sort of thinking to myself, yeah, but every team has got quick forwards. So what's what? Cam, you first on that, then Carl. Um, it wouldn't have been about pace because uh, was it Rhys Williams who played against um, Tottenham and Son yeah. is one yeah, of the quickest players. Yeah. He's super quick up top, and you know, and obviously he's playing against Harry Kane, who's arguably you know one of the best strikers in the Premier League. Certainly the most streetwise. Yeah, and. Reese Williams had a very, very good game that night. Um, why I couldn't, I couldn't give you an answer as to why they decided to go playing Hendo um, at centre back. Maybe they felt they needed Hendo on the pitch. They needed to get other players on the pitch to get them back to match fitness. Hence why Ox started. Um, you know, uh, Curtis Jones was given a rest. Um, I've said my words about Minamino, but um, I, I, it was just a strange decision. Uh, what, what they were worried about from 
that Southampton were going to bring as an attacking threat to us that Tottenham, who are arguably a better attacking team or a counter-attacking team, maybe maybe it was something to do with that, that um, Southampton are more of a ball-playing football team and they felt that they needed a... They, they couldn't risk one of those two defenders. I think Nat Phillips had a poor game against Newcastle mm. and that's possibly why he... I felt the the team stopped trusting him. He made a couple of mistakes. Uh, they weren't. They didn't really want to give him the ball after the second mistake. And yeah, um, he did look like he was struggling. That's a fair. Yeah. Point. So yeah. and we, and we know that Phillips he, he's not Liverpool standard. We know that. Um, there was a reason they were trying to sell him in the summer. There was a reason why he was playing for a second division German team last last year because. That's probably he probably is a championship level defender. So he is, he, he is excellent aerially. To be fair to the kid, he's, he's excellent he is, aerially. He can he can tackle. From, but you're not going to get that from uh, Southampton. Uh, no. Southampton. No, no, they're, no, no, not, no. They're they're a football. They're they're a ball playing team. They're, they're they're an excellent football team. You know, Hasenthal uh, has done an excellent job there. You know, for a team that lost nine nil to Leicester. Um, for the for that board to show faith in that manager still, um, you know that took some balls from them. And, yeah, no, um, no, he's he's a, he's a class act. I wish he'd yeah. stop. I wish he'd stop dressing up as Jurgen on the sideline. <laughs> and <laughs> I also he wants I, to beat Jurgen, doesn't he? He clearly does. Yeah. Uh, and and it was interesting to see how emotionally got there were actual tears as he was kneeling down or crouching down on the sideline. Uh, Carl, I want your take on this um, Hendo at centre-half um, situation as well. Um, the first thing that occurred to me, I'm not going to lie, I said it again, it was kind of dismissed out of hand on Raw afterwards, and I kind of had it half dismissed before I finished the point myself. And then uh, Jan said it last night, and I thought, oh, well, maybe it's a little bit of validity to it. If this had been a Rafa Benitez era situation, you wouldn't have been surprised at him playing uh, 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 Hendo there to send a message to the owner saying, I need a fucking centre half here, lads, and I need it now, um, as in a kind of political move. But that doesn't really seem quite Jurgen, does it, Carl? Well, Brendan as well. Brendan's at Brad Smith at Chelsea, didn't he? That's right, yeah. When, when we were losing there, and he, and he, he changes a left back. Um, yeah, for, and puts, um, I'm not going to right now, so fair enough. But. Um, Evening, guys. You're just you're just inviting comments in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> go on, anyway. Go on, anyway. Uh, and, uh, oh, you know, I think I think what what that boils down to is, is it's very hard for those two young lads to play Monday and Friday, and I think that might be in his mind as well. Just playing Friday, give the first team lads a, a night off and play both of them against Villa. You see that that goes in direct contravention of what um, Cam is is suggesting will be the case that we'll go semi strong. I like you, and I know Cam. I found it really interesting and not a little bit jarring to hear you chatting about how you know you've re- you're really prioritising the FA Cup. You'd like that trophy and all the rest of it, um, and it, it sticks in my craw. And I want to get your take on this, Carl. It sticks in my craw to do it, but I have relegated the FA Cup almost out of my mind as a sort of a non-event, and it's terrible because I grew up mm. with, the, with the glory of it, but. Well, where are, you, where are you sitting on this, Carl? Would you like to see the practicality of first teamers given most most of the first teamers given a night off? Um, definitely no Fabinho. Definitely no um, Henderson, and so on and so forth. All the front three taken out of the firing line, or would you like a kind of mix and match? Or do you think we need to go strong in the in the in the spirit of what Cam's saying that you know we've had three shit results in a row. We've had three. 
uh, half-arsed performances in a row. Maybe we need a win. It's a tricky one. I mean, my, my relationship with the FA Cup is always the same. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be in it. I don't. I think Liverpool should refuse playing the FA Cup. I've said been saying that since 1989. Um, they killed off fans, so I'd be done. We should be in it, but I know that's not a practical thing. I think, um, like Cam, I'd like to. I, I, I'd like a day out at Wembley. So I'd like Liverpool to win the trophy because I think we should be winning one trophy a year, uh, and um, probably at the League Cup as such. But so I'm, I'm sort of both. If we go out, I'm not going to cry because at least we'll go. I don't think we'll go out to a lower league team. Premier, like we got knocked. I was at the Chelsea game last year when we got knocked out, and that end wasn't that arsed when we left the ground. Yeah. it is. It is only that, and you know, and it's. But I always think about these things about the FA Cup. But uh, you know, we'll we'll win it unless we get Chelsea or City. <laughs> that, you know, if we get them in the final, we'll win it. But if we get them before, and nah, probably not going to happen. And yeah. so, and whereas in the league, I'd be obviously, you know, I, 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 I want us to win every single throw in, never mind every individual games like that. But I'm not that bothered about the Epic Cup. But it would be quite nice to sort of have a bit of a run. I was at the this semi final against Villa in 2015 as well, and I was gutted we didn't get through because I thought we could win that because it was Arsenal in the final. And. Uh, so, yeah, that was the last time I was disappointed with the FA Cup. But had that game happened in the third round, and now we're playing Villa again, then not too late. I have a suggestion, and that is a change away from the Reds for the last portion of the show. Um, but I do have another football story. So, um, before I go to it, is there anything that either of you want to chat about Liverpool related just before we move away? No. But, well, then, let me play you this. This is 40 seconds, and I'm going to get your reaction to it, and then I'll give you the context for it. You'll probably know already, but let me just do this. So this is, for context, Nuno Espirito Santo speaking after a football match. Uh, honestly, I don't, I don't like, but I must say it because I will not feel right. Um, the referee doesn't have quality to, to whistle a game on a Premier League. This is... A problem that we knew we already had Lee Mason before. It's not about uh, the crucial mistakes or the, the decisions. It's about the way he handles the game. He, the players get nervous, too much voices. He play, he whistles by the voices. The, when some players shout, he, he doesn't have. He doesn't have. So we are talking about the best competition, and clearly he doesn't have quality to to whistle the game. I'm very disappointed to say this. Really disappointed, but. I'll not feel right if I didn't say it. It happened before. Uh, honestly, I don't try to... Now, I've got to say, right, so for that, and no doubt be deemed as a rant or an outburst or whatever the latest tabloid term for it is, uh, for that, uh, direct remarks about a referee, um, he's been fined £25,000 today, has Nuno. And it's not really about the... Uh, amount of the fine, yet it also is because we've seen um, uh, horrible offences uh, far worse like obviously it, it, infinitely more egregious things like racism and and, 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 and all sorts of despicable acts uh, where the fine has been less so I have a, a quick question for you just on this because we know our man's probably on the raggedy edge at this moment as well and he's likely to say something if pushed especially especially if a certain uh, sideline monkey gets a go at him again there's what's his face from bt he really has no time for him uh, what do you think about that 
I mean, I'm very much inclined to sign side with Nuno Espirito Santo there. But is it is it all is it? Is because of his name, though. What's that? Is that because of his name? It's partially because of his name. It's partially because I I, I think great name. It's a great name. He's a, he's a he's a good manager. He, he does a good beard. Um, but I don't know. Am I am I influenced by that? Because it's quite an ad hominem attack on a specific individual. Is that okay? Is that not okay? That's where I want to go with it. So Carl, you started, and then I got to Cam. I completely agree with him. Um, Lee Mason's a gobshite for a start. I got, I'm happy to say that to anyone. There's the spirit of refereeing is is, is or, or the, the level of it in this country is abysmal, and part of that is because of VAR. Because again, as I've mentioned it before about the Christensen sending off against Chelsea, where he put Matt, um, Sadio Mane off. It wasn't for, for VAR. The lad would have walked off without even seeing a card. It was so obvious it's a red card. No one in the ground disputed that card, and he gives a yellow just so he can. I can't remember the referee was now, but he just he gives a yellow just so his mates will back him up, and then he'll make it a red. It's shithouse refereeing, and ref referees are shithouse. The best referee in the country had the worst refereeing game I have literally seen in the last twenty years. In the Michael derby, was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Michael, he was a disgrace that day. And I, 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 yeah. to be honest, when he got the when he got the gig, I thought, you know, well, he's all right. Actually, I don't mind Michael, but and you know, people say that the good referees are the ones you don't know the name of. Whereas, you know, uh, Andre Narrative we had on um, on Monday night. Yeah. Andre <laughs> Narrative. Let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's just book as many people as we can in the first 10 minutes. So, you know, I looked dead hard. He's a prick as well. Um, if any Liverpool fans, uh, Evan fans are listening, uh, good old Clatsy. What a great lad. Um, you're right. he's, he's completely right. He's completely right. And uh, what, is, what I thought was interesting there, he's not arguing about the decisions. He's arguing about the way he acts on the field. Remember that Philip Don, who used to be a head teacher at um, Harrow School, or he used to be a master of something or other, and oh, he talks to people like it wasn't it? Was it? Oh, is that, that's right. Yeah, and he talks to people like they were kids. Yeah, um, you're, you're never going to get that. I know. Um, I can't remember who it was now, but someone a few years ago said, um, uh, someone playing a, a, a post manager on field suddenly, you know, I don't mind refereeing stuff like that, but when he starts calling you, you, the other players Stevie and Cara rather number four your side. It does make you think of it, doesn't it? There's ways of doing things and Lee Mason is a gobshite. I think that's Anthony Taylor. I think that well yeah you, listen, if you start the list it's gonna go on. Cam, what's your take on it? I mean, it's an interesting point that Carl raises there about the way in which people approach matches. For example, r- uh, rugby referees are lauded for being exactly what Carl was deriding there, um, mm-hmm. being very authoritarian and speaking down to these big lumbering lads who could crush them with one hand, uh, and those boys taking it and being accepting of it and not offering any lip whatsoever. If they do, it's um, sin bin time. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of... I've always partially admired that about rugby, and at the same time, um, I and I, I I don't know if it's viable in football because it's all very well saying you can't talk to people like their kids, or you can't talk to, you can't try to cozy up to them, or you can't uh, be snarky or whatever. But if they are, and let's be honest, they all are, and even the lads that we love, like Henderson, Andy Robbo, they are in their faces with tirades of abuse endlessly throughout games. So, I mean, how do you cope with that if you're a referee? What is the correct approach? What's your take on this? Um, well, the man with the greatest beard in football can say what he likes about referees. He, he's earned the right just because of his beard alone. <laughs> Fair so, play. Um, you know, is, is a legend because of his beard. But, um, I've been to the issues. 
Sorry? These are the issues. These yeah, are the main exactly. things. It's all about the beard. If you don't have a beard, you're not a man. Sorry, guys. Oof. That's the way it is. I've got, to go see it. I've got to go see it in a moment. You're, right. well, you're, you're halfway there. You're halfway to being a man, Carl. Um, Drinkles. We've got a full beardy pod here, right? A full beardy pod. Yeah, there you go then. So, um, but, but only one man bun. Um, only one man bun. Uh, yeah, I didn't want to go there. That's true. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's, that's like a Ronaldo thing, isn't it? So, um, <laughs> don't do that. It's probably. <laughs> Carries a mirror around in his pocket, no doubt. Um, <laughs> uh, he needs a phone. Uh, so, but in all seriousness, um, it's interesting what you say about the rugby aspect. Um, but that's that's instilled from day one. So, from grassroots, you don't answer back to the referee. The referee is in charge. Whatever the referee says goes. That's the end of it. You do, you know. The only person who can speak to the referee is the captain. Now, football, it's all about haranguing the referee to a point. You know, Ferguson was brilliant at it, hence why he got... The referees were terrified of him because they didn't want that hairdryer treatment. You know, the, the clubs and the players, they try to use that to their advantage to gain an edge in football. It, it's part of the game now. It, it's part of the culture. It, I don't see how you can eradicate it. I mean, when we used to play, um, you know, Sunday League football, for example, the referee would come in the changing room before the game, and he, the referees more more often than not would say, "Any swearing," and we're like, "Yeah, I swear in Punjabi." You ain't gonna know, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you know, you, you, and you'd have a little smirk on your face, and you'd look over, and he go, and then he would go, "I think you're swearing in your mother tongue." I'll book you. Like, For fuck's sake, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and but here you you watch the referee, you you see how the players go on at the referees, they're effing and blinding. But the bottom line is, in the Premier League, we've got shit referees. They are really, really bad, and it goes back to something I said earlier on in the show, you know, about the article that uh, Sam Maguire wrote. You want a fair shout from the referees. Now, one of the worst referees for Liverpool is David Coop. Why is, why is David Coop now suddenly one of the worst referees? Well, I, I'll tell you why I think he's one of the worst referees for Liverpool. It goes back to the Burnley game last season when we drew 1-1. And it was the only draw we had at Anfield. We would have won every game at Anfield. And the reason we didn't win that game was because David Coop didn't, didn't give a penalty that day. And at the end of the game, Klopp and Robbo were giving Robert him dogs abuse. Rubbo tore it a bit. Yeah. Ripped him a new one. He didn't have one new arsehole, he had five new arseholes. And and he ain't gonna think he's got a grudge. If something put apart like that, you're gonna say, Oh yeah, I'm gonna be completely impartial next time. No, it's always gonna be there in the back of your mind. And that and whether you like it or not, we loved Robbo for doing that, and we still love Robbo for David Coop will never let that go now. We'll always hold that against you. So you can go too far with this as well. And it doesn't you, help you have already got this shit referee. You're literally describing um, uh, unprofessionalism on his part, though. That's what you're doing. Well, I, I understand the point well, you're making. It's incredibly but valid. It, 
Yeah. It, it is what it is, isn't it? Though yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. Like you can't. It's human nature, though. You know, he, you can see by the decisions he's given. The, the perfect example is the Mane offside against the Ev. David Coote was VAR that day. There's the proof for you, Trev. Yeah, well, it, yeah, and that's 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 one of the key ones about what's wrong with VAR is that that the, the, what's supposed to be objective ultimately becomes subjective because it's about the interpretation yeah. of the person in the booth, not about the the cold scientific uh, lines drawn on the pitch. So I, I agree with you completely. And like, listen, it's 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 a complicated one. I, I I'm not really a massive fan of direct. You know, criticism of people, but, um, you know, in, in, in after match scenarios, but I do understand why, uh, Nuno would have said what he did. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's a complicated issue. I wanted, to, I wanted to talk it through with you. Now we do have a couple of minutes left before our roughly our hour of recording, if I'm about right. So I wanted to just take on one of the topics suggested in the highly productive WhatsApp chat earlier on. Where we suggest where we suggested topics. Now, so 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 the topics we can talk about. Um, young Kapak put forward the topic of cheese, um, whether or not anybody eats piccalilli on the regular. Five um, k moving up to ten k runs, and all sorts of other delights as well, including his ever present Ashling B and Cambridge. And I just want to read this out so that people understand the type of abuse that I get on a regular basis here. <laughs> um, his suggested topics were uh, Brainty in the Shed as per norm, Drinkle Kills Beavers, Copac Runs, and Downy Alcohol-Related Takes. And this is slanderous. Slanderous. Um, now, the one that crosses over on both is the, uh, is the, is the Carl Kopech running story. So I'm curious, and it might be of very big interest to everybody, if uh, they are not um, too confined uh, to be able to get out and run uh, 10K. I guess you can do 5K twice, can't you? So uh, we'll talk to us a little bit about that, and then, um, Cam, you can uh, give your reaction to whether or not you'd be able to do a 5 or a 10K run at the moment. What's going on there, Carl? What are you, why are you upping the ante? Well, last year I, I ran 500 miles outdoors to see if I could do it, um, and I did. Uh, I finished my 500 mile on Boxing Day, so I had a whole week off. Uh, might as well put this in as a plug, might as well. Um, the charity with which I work is 60 years this year, 60 years old, and instead of doing 500 miles, I thought I'll do 600 to knock that, and I put the money on my sister's British Heart Foundation Gift of Hope page. Uh, which means, of course, I'm doing more miles per week to get that extra 100 miles in. Uh, I'm doing trying to do 12 miles a week at the moment. So this year, so far, I've already ran two 10Ks. And it's the sixth as we record this. And I've ran a 5K on top of that as well. So I'm on 15 miles at the moment. And it's an interesting... The reason I brought it up is it's, it's an interesting... I don't know if, if, if the listeners will agree with this, if, if, they do, if they do it. The difference between 5 and 10K, it seems to be more than 5K. It's like a completely different mindset. If you're doing a 5K, and like you know, I'm not a good runner. I'm a big lad. There's a lot of me to go around. Um, I tend to get tired about 25 minutes, which means I've got about six or seven minutes to go for mm. the end of it. But I really struggle for those last six minutes, which is completely in my head because I ran a 10K on Sunday and I got tired about five miles. I thought, well, hang on, the 5K wasn't a problem this time. What's going on there? 
So I was wondering if anyone, um, uh, anyone's listening to this, maybe they do half marathons or marathons. Is that a thing where basically, is it completely in your head the difference between five and ten? Oh man, I'm glad you said this because um, I used to run a lot um, before I injured both my knees, and I don't think it's the most appropriate thing for me to be doing. So I, I exercise in other ways, but I had been building up to do a marathon, and before that, I had for years been doing, you know. 10 15k runs um a couple of times a week albeit on treadmills which is not the same thing um but that thing you just said and i'm gonna hop this off cam i think you're exactly right i would convince uh, my my brain would convince itself that it was tired at a set point all the time depending on what i was used to so when i tried to go from 10 to 15 when i was coming up on nine it was like on I'm done here. I'm done. I, how am I going to do? You know, I, and it's a psychological thing. And it's you know, the wall, no, isn't it? Well, yeah, exactly. That's there's that runner's thing about it. Uh, wh- wh- you do a bit of running as well, Cam, don't you? Um, I did during lockdown, the original lockdown. I, I started running again. Um, I was going to say, I, Cam, not according to Strava, you not. I haven't run for since uh, the summer. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't enjoy it. Um, if you look in, if you look in the, uh, WhatsApp group, I've just posted a couple of pictures. That's the state of my ankle at the moment. So, What's uh, happened there? That's a terror. That's a, that's bruised, Cam. What have you done? That's an impact injury. <laughs> I rolled it twice. Ooh. Um, uh, oh, yeah. you, you can see what it swelled, it swelled up to. That, that was, a, and then it went down to what it, the second picture. Uh, so it just really badly bruised and then two days later I rolled it again and this is just the uh, first one was in the snow and then the second one was just uh, on a New Year's Eve uh, I, I just rolled it on a on a, on a broken broken pavement paving uh, paving stone slabs whatever so um, just caught the edge of it and rolled it again you know you're bound to roll it you're bound to hurt something that's already hurt but um, I don't enjoy running. Uh, I, I can run 5K quite comfortably um, at a push. I say quite comfortably. I do have to push myself, but I, I know I can run it. I, I don't want to go over 5K. I, don't, I just don't want to do it. Uh, my mind doesn't even want to run the 5K. And I was getting faster and faster the more I was doing it. So obviously I was getting fitter and fitter. I was running uh, uh, during the original lockdown, and I was, I was running two, three times a week. So I went from uh, doing a 5K in about 32 minutes, I went down to 27 and a half minutes. What do you not enjoy about it? Because for me, with the exercise, no matter what I'm doing, so I, like, I'll, on average, like my average exercise will be like about 60 minutes of cardio. And I'll do, mostly do yeah, stationary bike or something like that. But I'll do it for an hour, a full hour. And when I was running, I'd do whatever amount I was doing, 5, 7, 10 uh, k or miles or whatever it happened to be at, at whatever particular but when i'm doing stuff like that and i'm interested to get carl on this as well I, I, like i'm kind of in the zone i'm listening to something and yeah there's that 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 landmark i have in my head about getting tired or whatever but basically i'm kind of out of it and i'm i'm, I'm just I'm, I'm mechanically going through the motions so i can't say i hate running in fact in fact, I quite enjoyed it when I was able to do it on a regular basis. What is it you, you, you hate about it? You've both said you don't like it. I mean, let me go back to you, Carl, on that. I mean, is it because you're, you're, you're just, your head is chatting to you all the way through? Or do you listen to stuff when you're running as well? Are you a music listener? What do you do? Podcast mostly. It's, yeah. um, 
Uh, to be honest, because of where I live, it's quite hilly. Not okay. massively hilly, but but I'm always thinking about the next hill. I'm never okay. thinking about the, I'm never thinking about the two minutes past the next hill. So when I get there, when, so when that hill's done, I'm thinking, okay, oh god, there's uh, there's literally a hill named me which I refer to as the bastard. That's, that's what I've called it. I'm on Strava. <laughs> the, the other day I ran a I ran a ten k and uh, the bastard was, was mile number five, five and so five miles to five and a half was the bastard. And I thought it's ridiculous this because I'm worried about this, but I know once I get to the top of that hill, the next half mile is going to breeze, not a problem at all. Well, the next half mile is going to kill me. And the amount of times I've stopped on that hill. Yeah. So it is. It sounds to me like you're you're basically you've got a constant uh, internal dialogue with yourself. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah, and, yeah and impatience yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, so 10k is about an hour, an hour and a, about an hour five, an hour six for me normally, and. I'm the other, like, I, I ran a 10k on my own uh, uh, on New Year's Day, and after about a mile, I thought, I'm just not sure I can be asked running for the next 50 minutes. I've got stuff to do. I haven't got stuff to do at all. I was off. Yeah. But it's just sort of, it's cold here. Why am I doing this? Yeah. And then you think, I'll just do. And then suddenly you realize you're two miles away from your front door. So, so it's got to be at least a four mile run. And yeah. if, if run, running is arguing in my head, that's all it is. Calm, is that the same for you? It seems like, uh, yeah, in, in other words, yeah, chatting to yourself. I'll, 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 I'll go for a walk for three hours and yeah. walk 18, 18k or 16k, whatever it is, in that three hours. I'll go for a, a bike ride for two hours and ride 25k or whatever quite comfortably, you know, 20k in two hours or whatever, you know, up and down hills, whatever, you know, uh, uh on mud tracks, uh, Mountain bike trails, um, round lakes. Love it. No issues with that whatsoever. Make me run. I don't know. It's just, uh, no, I don't like it, but put a, put me on a five side pitch or an 11 side pitch and make me run. Not an issue. Oh, God. Not a problem. Not I, a problem I, whatsoever. I would give anything, right, for a parallel universe. Where we could all like the four of us uh, and up from this show and all our pals could just be p- permanently playing five side football whenever we fancy it. It's you, it. you, for, you forget how much how good it is for you, the camaraderie, the yeah. bit of competition, the f- just pure fun of it, the little bit of um, getting some aggression out of you as well is fantastic. Speaking of which, my um, uh, New Year's exercise regime revolves around a heavy bag. Pads. I bought myself a heavy boxing bag. Oh yeah, and I am going to pound the ever-loving shit out of that um, for the months. To... Well, you see, yeah, I've come ac- I've come across a lot of good workout videos, and of course, everyone tries to tell you the minute you do something, they try to tell you you shouldn't be doing it. But I, oh, no, I... No, no. Bag, bag work is excellent. Bag work if, is if you punch it properly. Ex- exactly. All I'm all I'm interested in doing is getting a proper upper body different workout just to add to the cardio so now in the in the room i've got a rowing machine i've got a bike and i've got this thing i'd like you know if i can't get a good regime going you know yeah it should be man it should be fingers crossed fingers crossed we'll be you'll be speaking to a ridiculously fit version of me in a couple of months um we should start right well yeah what you're saying is even more is what you're trying to say Cam. Yeah, that's what you, that's what you meant. So, uh, what what we should start wrapping this up because we've gone well north of the hour. I know you've both got something to finish with, so uh, I think we started with Carl. So we will start with you this time, Cam. Um, Netflix recommendation: Bridgerton. 
I think it's called. Oh, um, yes, 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 yes. This was watched in my house over Christmas. It's good. Uh, the kid, it's good. It was glued to it. It's very, uh, it's very, uh, what's the word, uh, histrionic and over the top and period drama yeah. and madness. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, it's it, 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 it's, it, it's, it's engaging. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Bridgerton, yeah, right. Right, yeah. right. Um, my quote, um, Carl, I expect big things from you to go out as quiz champion on this. Go on. I did not join the resistance movement to kill people, to kill the nation. Look at me now. I am a savage person. My conscience is clear. Cam, <laughs> uh, you are such a bastard putting in this at the end there, because now I can feel the sense of competition. I haven't a clue with that. Is that just no, no, I. Oh, Carl, I'm so disappointed. You say this name all the time when I do this. Oh, is it Paul Potts? Yes! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> you can't. Finally, we've got some Cambodian dictators on the show. I've been messaging the lads about this. When are we going to get the boys on? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I do know everyone what what does and no, we're not fans of him on this show. <laughs> oh, that's tremendous, uh, tremendous. Uh, I, I, to, to, to bridge into Carl's final word, um, I just sat down this afternoon uh, because I was um, I, I, I did nothing to do, and I stuck on Netflix and I came across a show that my kid recommended called Kim's Convenience. And I don't know if you've seen it. <laughs> the, well, I, Korean, based yeah, a, a Korean family who own a, a, a convenience store. Yeah, I've seen it. It's good. I have to say, the, the dad character, I've I, I found my through line in all the characters that I like in shows is grumpy old men. That might tell you something. Um, yeah. You know, it's absolutely everything from, from, from uh, you know, from Curb to Frank Barone to all these guys. These are all my my grumpy old man heroes and this guy is moving up the chart really fast he's fantastic he's worth watching the show for that lad alone um so that would be my recommendation if you're looking for something to detach from the grim reality for a while uh carl finish it off with whatever you've got uh the usual pictures of um some green grass on the ball is back again um uh as well, that's now coming out every Friday, not Wednesday, because I've realised I've got I've got two articles to do to be out on the same day, uh, and I think I should give people a Twitter rest for me doing two articles on Wednesday. Um, we are recording in the next week or so, if producer John's okay with me to do record Silver Blaze, which is the first story of the what's this one, the memoirs of Sherlock Holmes, which is one of his most famous stories. It's where we get the line, the curious incident of the dog in the night time, that comes from Silver Blaze. Um, I've been listening to a lot, few, lots of podcasts because I've been um, running. I've, I've really, really started to like um, talking Sopranos with Steve Shapira and Michael Imperioli, who play uh, Bobby Bacalieri and um, Christopher Voltasanti on the show. And I just like the fact that Steve's every time they have a guest on, um, Bobby Bacalieri always says, "Great guy, great actor, regardless of who it is." Always, it always ends up everything like that. And it's it's one of those podcasts which we don't do here. Where they re- read their advertise their sponsors out, they yeah. do the advertising. Hey, hey, Steve, I don't know if you know anything about that. Literally, things like Viagra. I don't know if you enjoy sex at all, but uh, well, the guys <laughs> at this age, um, I think we should start doing that or something. Uh, on, I'm on actually the watching Sopranos at the moment. Oh, we, where are you? Which one? I'm on a uh, season two, episode six, I think. Now we're quite a ride up here. What's just happened? 
uh, episode seven, it's called The Girl, where Anthony Jr.'s confirmation approaching Tony and Kamala find oh, the grown up apathy. Uh, D girl, sorry, yeah, D girl. Uh, apathy a cause for concern. Meanwhile, Christopher's interest in showbiz is reignited when he meets a well known filmmaker through his cousin's girlfriend. So, oh, yeah, yeah. John Carl, you know, we did, we did, we did flirt with both spam and uh, Cam's sworn enemies. Uh, Sarah, uh, and they both went very badly. So I think us and advertising is a, a thing of the past. Uh, is that you wrapped up, or have you got a quote to finish with as well? Well, you, you say that, Trev, but you know when you're, you're out in your summer house there in rural Ireland with its immaculate fencing, and you know you get that first. You know you get that first, which you don't think will ever be slaked. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Let me tell you about crook champagne. <laughs> Really hits the spot. It really does. Eighty pounds a bottle. <laughs> any any chance, lads? Any, any chances? Being trying to do voiceover work after all. Come on. I actually I actually love this. Right. What what I'm thinking is let's pick a product each week and absolutely shamelessly show some leg for it and see what they do. If we get picked up by one, that would be fan-bloody-tastic. Well, also, and I, and I know this is the, the case with this show as well, I do like it occasionally where uh, I've listened to, 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 to our shows occasionally, mostly to see if I've said the same thing twice, and it usually means I have, where <laughs> uh, you'll say, so, Carl, what do you think about this? I go, the thing is, Trev, and it'll suddenly say, uh, you know, coming up on Sky next week, we've got yeah, Liverpool yeah, yeah, yeah. again, uh, like, you know, and then suddenly I just come back in again for no reason. We just sort of dropped in, that just happens, and nothing about that so i might just start doing that every now and then when you're in the middle of a serious topic i might just start talking about andrex or or something yeah they love an audi ad on our show for some reason yeah they really do yeah and I'm and sure that's um and alan smith talking about um v, uh doing that var joke on the sky thing as well well at least it's not it's not. we're just gonna go to var yep it's on late 99 oh at least not alan smith talking about viagra that's the crossover nobody wants to see <laughs> uh let's let's wrap it up you say uh, that true but let's talk about men's issues for a second <laughs> right we're doing this we're absolutely doing this i, I think so man it, it, this is the, the feel of a feature it really does one of those ones that evolves live admin yeah, I genuinely like this. I think this uh, this this is this is good to go. Uh, let's wrap it up. Um, I should have mentioned the great stories, which episode number twenty four of is currently released. Uh, it is the dead by Joyce. Jake Joyce. It's a ninety minute belter of a story, one of the greatest stories. Obviously, uh, follow the title. Um, on this one, it's just me reading it because it's so bloody long, and also Pooley's indisposed for a little bit. Um. Please give it a listen. Um, an awful lot of people have told me that, you know, when I did the Stephen King ones and, and, and that type of thing, that they just really enjoyed hearing about other people's misery that wasn't real <laughs> in a time when they were feeling a lot of misery. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm quite scared of the one I'm listening to at the moment. Oh, what's that? The man in the black suit. Oh, yeah, dude. Listen to the chat afterwards. I've got a, a little personal anecdote in there. It's even scarier. But I would, I, I'm, I'm delighted, uh, fair play, I'm delighted you listen to it. But I would say, give Jimmy Joyce a go. Um, the first half of it seems like it's all just details about, you know, food and drink and social niceties. But my God, that story just hits you between the, the eyes at the end. And the writing's so incredibly good. You know, you, I spent a lot of my time in college and Joyce and, it just feels like a real treat to revisit them. So if you have any time, give 
the great stories a listen and a follow and a rate and a review and all those good things i've got about 25 reviews they're all five star but i've only got about five written reviews on apple and these things help when it comes to what we're hoping to do in terms of push it on a bit further. these things help the dopey algorithms to understand what's good and what's like so please do give it a push if you can you um, heard yeah sorry, sorry. speaking of pooley um obviously because pooley runs his own deaf leopard podcast and i when he asked he was going to do this i said oh you need to speak to my mate paul burns because yes. he, he's, he's quite sad like you, and he, he really likes very soft rock and what have you. <laughs> and uh, and uh, um, uh, Paul, um, big, I know his big chief, big chief went on to the, he's, just, he's not a tall man, big chief um, went on to um, uh, his show and Pooley DM'd me and said, thanks, that was great, we absolutely loved it, and, he's, and I think he's going to be on a few more now as well. The fast friends, and by the way, Pooley, yeah. also, uh, Pooley also tweeted during the week, this is a bit niche. But you've all have, have, have you both watched um, oh, the spin-off from oh my god the lawyer Saul Goodman uh, Better Call Saul you've, you've yeah. watched Better Call Saul, Saul yes we've heard. right so do you recall the character of Howard the really chiselled looking blonde uh, guy who's sort the of solicitor. The, the solicitor the main guy the, in the partner the, for, yeah uh, one of the partners in the, the partner firm. yeah Howard now follows Def Leppard <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's elected. He's absolutely <laughs> delighted. So hats off to him. Nice little bit of uh, nice little bit of pulley tangent there at the end. We should wrap it up. Um, that was Carl Kopak. You heard Cam Branch. Will you stop talking over my outro? Both of you have done it now. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? What do you want, Cam? Uh, Andrex. Andrex. Look at the puppy. Dulux. No, sorry. Oh my <laughs> this is not the time or the place. You know what? We're out of here. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll be back with you sooner than uh, than we left at this time. Uh, reasons. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Mind yourself. Podcast Network.